I'm Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns. And I'm Rebecca Hackmeyer, and I use she, her pronouns. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Rad, Rad Child, Child Podcast. Podcast. to another episode of Way to Go and Room to Grow. Um, this, uh, this topic we're covering today, ADHD, um, and this topic was really tricky one to find books on. I think uh, Rebecca and I both struggled mm-hmm. um, to find quality books uh, because there are books that exist, um, but uh, I mean, I know at least like for me coming from a personal um, perspective of like someone having ADHD, I'm like... These books were all like, I was like, oh, throw them away. <laughs> um, they just were not. I felt like there were a lot of uh, a lot of books, but not very good quality books. Right. Particularly um, around the um, uh, the informative books. Right. Like I think a lot yeah. of people who run who who have a child who is diagnosed with ADD or ADHD. Um, I feel this is one of those topics where everyone feels like they have a story to tell. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those stories could benefit from some, some further editing or like a more, um, I don't know, like neurodiverse centric lens. Yeah. Um, or just like some own voices. I would love some own voices books on this topic. Like I literally got to the point where when I was first researching, uh, books on ADHD, I got so frustrated that I was as a person with ADHD, I was like, I'm just going to write my own book. <laughs> Which we know doesn't always make good books. But. Right. Seth, we will pair you with an editor. We will get this right. I know oh, you do have gosh. a story to tell. But I was just like, oh my gosh, there's so, like, because I'm the kind of person who's like, uh, you know, if it's, like, if, it, if it's not, who's going to do it if not me? But I hope mm-hmm. someone does it because I'm busy. Um, <laughs> you really are. You really, really are. I've got problems. Um, but uh, but anyway, I guess uh, I'll get into I So listeners, this might be a first. I only have one book. Mm. <laughs> um, and this book, I'm not even fully convinced about. <laughs> um, so this is a book that I uh, am going to like recommend with caution um, with like some caveats. Um, but uh, at any rate, I'll get into, you know, just sort of what this book is uh, before I start to tear it apart <laughs> that's that sounds that's a little dramatic I'm not going to tear it apart it's not a terrible book uh, or I wouldn't be talking about it but anyway um so this book is called Miss Gorski I think I have the wiggle fidgets um and it is actually part of a series uh called oh where are my notes the adventures of everyday geniuses and so basically it's a set of six books and they're all about sort of like different struggles that kids might be having in school um for everything from like like this one although they don't name it as adhd it's adhd um and then there's another one about dyslexia and then there's some just about like other struggles like uh like one is about like uh, someone struggling with spelling or like being the last person to always finish a test like having struggles with taking standardized tests um so they're all about all about kind of struggles that kids might have in school and so uh, this book is uh, by Barbara Asham and is illustrated by Mike Gordon, and it's published by Source Books. And basically, uh, it's about a boy named David, and he just sort of like has trouble focusing because he has like too many ideas. He's like always thinking of these like these ideas and things that he can do. Um, and so basically, 
uh, it sort of, you know, really frustrates his teacher, Mrs. Gorski, who, like, wants him to pay attention, whatever. And so David is narrating this book, and he's talking about, you know, the sort of beginning of the book is him talking about some examples of things that he's done in school that has sort of frustrated his teacher. Um, and so, right, he's like, like, like he's in lunch, and he's like, I just wanted to, you know, I was doing an experiment, and I just wanted to see how much pressure I could put on, like, the pudding before the lid came off. And, like, of course, like, the pudding explodes everywhere, and, like, you know, all these sorts of um things from like things like that to him just like oh you know I was trying to pay attention but then there was a new poster in the corner of the classroom and I was looking at that you know Mm. um and and so it just sort of starts off with him narrating a couple of these examples um and so eventually after the pudding incident uh (laughs) Mrs. Gorski decides to write home um to his parents and uh and so he's kind of like I don't know it's unclear if he's like eavesdropping on purpose or if he just kind of overhears his parents i like to think he's just sort of like walking by and overhears his parents talking and um basically they're saying that you know mrs gorski wants them to come into school on monday and and talk to her and uh and of course no one says this to david but like while talking about him his father's like oh i know what his problem is he just has the wiggle fidgets like i had the wiggle fidgets when i was a kid and i'm like why does no one talk to david about this um but that's you know that's for later for my room to gross um but so he overhears them talking about this and uh and so he decides he's like okay the meeting's on monday i have till monday to like come up with a solution to this problem so he uses what i like about this is he sort of uses what's what other people are sort of seeing as like a bad thing of his like kind of creative brain that's like working so hard as he uses that creative brain to help solve the problem. Right. And so he, uh, it's so funny. There's like, there's like a picture of him and he's like, he's got like his glasses on and he's at like a little computer and he's like, he's like, I'm brainstorming. Like that's one of the things that I'm good at. (laughs) Just like, I don't know. It's just funny. Um, And so the day, the day of this meeting with his parents comes and he comes into the classroom and sort of proposes some solutions. And I'm going to read a couple. I'm going to sort of read this scene because it's one of my favorite parts of the book. So um, so basically, to set the scene, he has come into the classroom um, and like it's sort of like, uh, uh, you know, into the, instead of this, the parents having a meeting with the teacher, he's like, listen, I prepared some things. Um, <laughs> and he comes into the classroom and he says, I looked at my dad and then I said, this problem the problem i have is called the wiggle fidgets it's something you can inherit from your parents or you could just have it my dad had the wiggle fidgets when he was a kid the difference is that i have come up with a possible cure or at least uh, or at least it's something that might help a little bit it took all day on saturday to develop it my parents and mrs gorski just listened uh sorry i'm just trying to flip pages on a video um (laughs) i have i have come up with a few things that will help me pay attention better i announced while spreading some note cards on the table these are my attention cards patent pending i will put one of these cards on my desk it will remind me to focus and leave the distracting ideas and thoughts alone this way mrs gorski you can save your voice and i can save myself from becoming embarrassed everyone in class becomes distracted when you ask me to pay attention and so they say things like focus and listen attention save that idea for later uh, think about what we're working on. What are the consequences? Um, but that's mm-hmm. but that's not my only idea for the wiggle fidgets. I also have a timer that counts down silently. I've discovered that if I know exactly how long I need to pay attention, it helps me from wondering how long I need to pay attention. Um, I couldn't believe it. Mrs. Gorski was actually smiling at me. She hadn't smiled at me in a long, long, long time. I had a feeling she liked my ideas. Um, yeah, we're going to get to it. Don't worry. Take a breath. 
<laughs> then using my serious announcement voice i said for the super wiggly fidget days i need to have something to do even if it's just a small something to fidget with like a stress like this stress ball i've noticed that when i fidget with a stress ball at home it actually helps me pay attention i'm not sure exactly how it works but i know it does i hope mrs gorski is still listening Another way to help to make the wiggle fidgets go away is to move just a little. Sometimes my legs feel like they're going to run away without me. If I could just erase the chalkboard or hand out papers, or better yet, run your papers to the school office, my legs might not be so wiggly at my desk. I've also noticed that more that the more I get to move during recess, the less I need to move at my desk. Plus, recess seems to help my brain feel refreshed and ready to focus. Um, I wanted to help Mrs. Gorski understand. Um, wait, I think this is the last page. Well, that's all I have to do for today. I will be available to answer questions if anyone has them, I says as I collected my items. <laughs> um, and I'm going to end it there. Um, so so what I like, uh, so basically, you know, it goes through that. So, well, I'm going to finish my synopsis first. So basically, he, he continues his thing and everyone's very impressed. And they're like, you know what? These are, these are really good, you know, ideas and we're going to use them, uh, you know, and the parents are like, we could even use some of these at home. Right. And, and David's like, you know what? I noticed some other kids in class that might be struggling with the wiggle fidgets. Maybe we could use them with them too. Um, so basically David does Mrs. Gorsi's classroom management for her. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and then at the end, this is okay. This is the part that I have a lot of feelings about. Then Mrs. Gorsky's like, Oh, I remember when I had the wiggle fidgets. And David's like, you had the wiggle fidgets? And like, they're like, yeah, people, and basically the end of the thing is like, basically like people with great minds, you know, what does it say exactly? David, many great minds come with the wiggle fidgets. Um, and what I noticed, she wasn't using her frustrated speaking with David voice with me anymore. So I have a lot of feelings about this book. Um, I'm going to talk, I'm going to start with the good things, which are what I, the things that I like about this book is that it makes it very clear that he is not a bad kid. Like he it literally says like, I don't mean to do these things. They just like frustrate people. So like, I like that they're not, it's not like he is purposefully doing, you know, quote unquote, bad behaviors. Right. Um, because I think that a lot of times kids get like kids with ADHD get lumped into the like, Oh, you're just a bad kid. Um, and so I appreciate that they like talk about that a little bit. Um, I also really like, uh that he talks about how like it could be inherited or you could just have it like it just happens sometimes um and i think that the solutions that they talk about are actually ones that like could be helpful um to someone with adhd um and i again like i said before i think that like i like that he uses his thinking outside the box which like people are kind of saying is almost like a detriment to like his benefit to kind of come up with solutions to this problem um, and I do like the sort of sentiment that like many great minds have the wiggle fidgets. That being said, I have so many uh, room to gross for this book. Um, so first of all, whenever like the teacher's like, what are you doing? And then he tries to explain and she just cuts him off. And I'm like, what? what why ask them? Just be like, stop doing. There's there's a, a comedian, John Mulaney, who I very much like. And he, he, had a, he had a joke about being a kid in the 80s where he would be like, you know, he was like, you know, uh, sometimes grownups would ask, what are you doing? But that just meant stop it. And like, that's how I feel about this book. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. Um, yeah. Don't phrase. And uh, I'm just going to jump into yeah. this. First of all, I love John Mulaney and I wish him well right now. Um, yes. Yes. Today's upheavaly times um, and his personal upheavaly times. 
And um, yeah, so much of the, I mentioned off when, before we started recording that I was developing some professional development for my staff. And so much of it is like, don't, or one facet of it is don't ask a question if you, it's not actually a question. Correct. Like if you have a, a boundary that you're setting, just set that boundary. Yeah. Don't and I, ask a question. I I talk to parents about this a lot with young children, especially with like, especially that two-year-old age, because there is this shift when when you have an infant you'll say something like do you want to go to the park and they can't respond so you go to the park when you have a toddler you'll say something like do you want to get dressed now and they'll say no and then you're stuck um you have to say we're getting dressed now you have to shift that language to like okay this is what's happening now because otherwise they'll be like i don't want to and you're like uh well i did just ask you if you wanted to um so now i'm like i don't care what you want Right, exactly. You so you've positioned yourself to suddenly being someone who doesn't listen and doesn't honor yes. their agency. Exactly. And um, oh gosh, there was a there was a third bad thing that now I can't remember. Agency oh. listening. Oh, and power struggle. <laughs> and you're you've suddenly put yourself in a power struggle that did not need to happen if you just had phrased had phrased the intention or the need or the ask as a need or an ask rather than as a question and a choice. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think Mrs. Gorski needs to go to like some kind of training or something. She's got she's got a lot of I got a lot to say about Mrs. Gorski and how she handles her classroom. Um, but so there's another thing that I mentioned when we were talking uh, when I was going through my sort of synopsis of the book, which is that they don't actually talk to David. They talk about him. Um, and I'm like, if you think David has the wiggle fidgets, go to David and say, hey, I think you have the wiggle fidgets. And like, this is a problem we can solve together. Don't make da- this is my all caps. This is okay. Here's my, uh, I was going to save this for the end, but here's my all caps note. Mrs. Gorski had the wiggle fidgets and so did his dad. So why is David the one solving this problem? Like two adults have had the same experience and seem, but somehow seem incapable of like, like what worked for you when you were a kid? Um, It's interesting. Right. Like the idea that they're talking around him and above him and not to him, coupled with kind of the way that it's played for laughs, that he takes on this professorial role and comes up with these solutions. It shows a perspective in this book that um, it shows an an understanding of children that is misguided, that children Mm -hmm. are do are do not actually are not actually individual human beings who deserve like our full respect because they're fully developed human beings. Right, like it's it. You yeah, should very like <laughs> but it shouldn't be played for laughs. That it's ah ha ha. Oh wow, he can have ideas, and but suddenly yeah. he's on the trappings of this grown up who's solving a problem. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's a very bizarre perspective for someone who actually yeah. kind of respects children. Yes, it's it's very strange, and it's also like I said, I think like I'm thinking about so my experience as someone with ADHD who is teaching was I once was in a classroom I was just supposed to be just observing in this classroom it was in in the beginnings of my uh studies in college and but you know I could still like interact with the kids and stuff and I would go around and see what they were doing and there was this one kid and he was sitting at a table alone and I asked the teacher why is he at a table alone and I think she I'm pretty sure she said something like because he's a bad kid or like he has behavior issues or like something that I was just like oh so I went over and it became immediately apparent to me that this kid probably has ADHD and I just like, so like from my own, you know, I I just sort of like use my own experiences and like helped 
you know, not like I was this kid's savior, but you know what I mean? I was able to communicate with him and I was able to like use tools from my own experience to get him to focus on his work. And I actually still have this after at the end of my placement, he was making one of the things that he was doing that, you know, she felt like he wasn't paying attention, but I felt was actually helping him pay attention. Um, he was making these little helicopters, like out of just like two X's, like of paper, and he would glue them together. Like mm-hmm. he would make an X with two strips of paper and glue them together. And then he would like let them fall and they would fall to the ground. And he gave me one, he colored it in and gave it to me and handed it to me and just said, thank you. And I was like, uh-huh. um, you know, but like, like if you have that experience, use that experience to help a kid. Don't then be doing like, like continuing this cycle of like, I don't know. It's just weird. Like as, as much as like, I have some good things to say about this book. I have a lot of problems with this book. And, um, uh, oh, the other thing that I want, the last thing I have written down is that they make it sound like the wiggle fidgets is something that you like grow out of. Like it's something you have when you're a kid. Um, and they're like, oh, I had that when I was a kid. Now, right. now I'm fine. I'm like this fine, well-adjusted adult. And like, if we are like, and maybe I'm reading this wrong and this isn't an analogy for ADHD. It, like it was on all the ADHD lists and it can't, you know what I mean? And I don't mm-hmm. know. I didn't um, find it as, uh, I did not find any research as like any articles talking about sort of the intent. Um, but I definitely think a lot of people use it for conversations about ADHD and, uh, and like, if they're just talking about being a kid and like, you know, getting a little distracted, like, I don't know, it just seems weird. Like, cause they're not just talking about being a little hyper in which I could be like, okay, maybe they're just talking about like some kids are a little like bouncy and then you grow. I don't know. But like, it seems weird to me if we're talking about it as ADHD, like you don't grow out of ADHD. <laughs> um, it's the way your brain works. Exactly. So, so yeah, so like the things that, again, that's why I like, I think this is a book that you would have to read and then have kind of a lengthy conversation afterwards about like, hey, do you think that, or like, you know, pause and be like, do you think that the way that Mrs. Gorski talked to David was like nice? Do you think that teachers should talk to their students like that? You know, I think there would be a lot of unpacking this book in order mm-hmm. to be able to talk about the good things in this book. Really, honestly, the the things that I think are best about this book are the the solutions that David comes up with, which he shouldn't have had to come up with. But like, I think that those are things that like could help kids with ADHD. You know what I mean? Right. Those um, are definitely, those are strategies. Like that the we coping strategies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That we, that are, that our the, the behaviorist on staff in our district has helped to implement with, with some students in our, in our cohorts. And yeah, and again, those are, those are the behaviorist, viable. not David. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, right. So you can just take those strategies and throw them on a meme, you know, like we don't actually need a, a book where a child has to develop is, is yeah, kind of, exactly. Um, has exactly. to develop his own solutions and is disregarded by all of the so, adults in his life until he does. So like at the end of this, like, I don't even know if I recommend this book, but like, it was just the best thing I could find. <laughs> And like, that's a whole conversation in itself is just like, and I know, um, just to sort of part the curtain a, bit, a little bit, like the other day, Rebecca little literally came to me and was like, I don't know if we can do this episode. Like, I can't find any books. And this has never happened before. Yeah, Never has it happened where we literally could not find like any books. Um, and you know, you're about to talk, you're about to talk, um, about a book that I actually really love and have, um, in a little bit, but like the closest we could really get was like a book that 
part of it mentions ADHD, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and, and so I, I find that just very, um, uh, you know, just disappointing. And I hope that, um, you know, our hundreds of thousands of listeners, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but, you know, I hope that, uh, you know, somebody takes the initiative to write that book. Who knows? Maybe it will be me in my free time. Maybe, um, right. But, you know, I hope that uh, there's definitely a market for for those books and a space for those books, because um, it was really, really hard to uh, to find to find. Yeah. something. Yeah, I think that it's the informative books in particular, like the books that are setting out to kind of teach your child about ADHD um, are pretty clunky. Uh, yeah, overall. for sure. And I was actually just going a little bit of a side uh, uh, tangent. Um there's a series that the so there's a series of books i'm gonna look at myself by uh kathy hoopman um uh, and they're published by jessica kingsley who who we love we've talked about before Mm -hmm. and there's there's three books in this series the first one i got was called all birds have anxiety i love this book it's basically a book that explains what anxiety is like chronic anxiety uh with funny pictures of birds and it's just like it's wonderful and it's uh my I read it to my wife who has chronic anxiety and she was just like I feel attacked like this book is like spot on you know um and uh, I love the juxtaposition of like the picture of the finch and Catherine saying I feel attacked (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I actually really like that book and I thought it works well so I was really excited when I found out there's also um, all cats are on the autism spectrum, which was previously all cats have Asperger's. They changed the title uh, and republished it recently, which is awesome um, to, you know, just be up to date on the, the language that's being used. And right. then there's another one called All Dogs Have ADHD. So I was really excited after I saw the first book to get the other two. And I was really kind of bummed out by the other two. Mm-hmm. I don't really think they did as good of a job. And again, I don't, I mean, it's possible their own voices, but I, I kind of doubt since they're by the same author that the same author, uh, you know, it's possible that she, uh, you know, has all three of those things. Um, okay. But uh, just, you know, it's probably, probably not the case. Um, and it didn't feel, or at least I will say it did not feel to me like a fun voice. As mm-hmm. someone who has ADHD, I was reading it and I was like, uh, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Um, it didn't like the the anxiety one felt really spot on and the ADHD one and the autism one felt a little clunky like you were saying I think is a good right. word to use um, but I still would recommend the anxiety one I think it's very good um, but but yeah I don't know I don't know anyway I'd like to hear about your books maybe you have a better prognosis than I do right. well you're right so right so I think my thesis overall is the books that try to set out to teach a lesson about ADHD are very clunky um, I do know that there has been in the ADHD community some sort of like um, uh, what's it called like when you it's not reappropriating but like there's some there's been some embracing of characters from literature mm-hmm. as representations of ADHD yeah, even sort though they of, are not um, sort like, of in in the way that we talked about Brontarina for like um, fat positivity where like that book has been embraced by you know the sort of fat positivity like that community but it was not written about that right right so I think that there's been some like uh, retconning is also not the right word but I think that some people view Ramona Ramona Quimby um by Beverly Cleary Mm -hmm. that series as being a representation of ADHD um and then I think others just view that as a as a spot on representation of like 
any five-year-old child but uh, <laughs> but there's been some so there's been some t- celebration of Ramona as a as a character mm-hmm. that exhibits some classic ADHD um like markers um Amelia Bedelia is another one yeah, Calvin from Calvin and that, Hobbes Amelia Bedelia is how I taught Kat about idioms in English <laughs> About idioms, okay, not about ADHD, but about idioms. No, <laughs> because it, because it's all those like draw the curtains, and she would sit and draw the curtains, and she'd like draw a picture of them, right? Yeah. Um, oh my gosh! But the other thing that I want to just jump in and say now that we're talking about this uh, for older kids, which is not usually my wheelhouse, but I've actually read this series and love it. The Percy Jackson series mm-hmm. um, is a really is a, a series that does. Um, I would say it's like more like young adult, like teen young adult, um, but that sort of, uh, I, I don't know what the right word is, but basically um, it's it's kind of, you know, this is like kind of a wacky tangent, but basically it's about, um, you know, the Greek gods exist and some kids are demigods, right? Like they're half, half god, half mortal. And kids who are demigods have ADHD and dyslexia essentially are like would be diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia because like the ADHD is basically like their battle instincts so they're sort of like all over the place and the dyslexia is because their like brain is hardwired for ancient Greek and not English (laughs) so um but it's a way but it's really awesome because like in the beginning you know it's just like it's you're you have this this character you know who ends up being the hero whatever but like has been in like six different schools in six different years and like keeps flunking out of school because like he's not you know like people basically his teachers are not doing a good job um but you know what I mean it's like it's nice like I felt like that representation as someone with ADHD was like hey like there's a hero with ADHD like that's cool you know um and I think that book does does a pretty good job um, yeah yeah and I think and that's one where um I think Rick Riordan I believe Rick Riordan himself the author has been diagnosed with ADHD and the character Percy and and the others are also like named right it's like named that they have these diagnoses which is yes. great mm-hmm. um and then Joey Pigza which is by Jack Gantos oh, is another yeah. like middle grade character or early elementary character who um I believe is diagnosed with ADHD um so what I'm gonna do I'm gonna take a pause really quickly and go put my <laughs> dog somewhere where she stops barking that's fine um, I'm actually gonna get a drink of water real quick perfect, so perfect. I'll be right back <laughs> okay you back hey hey okay Um, but uh but yeah I think I think there as happens with I think uh, a lot of these kinds of topics I think there's more sort of middle gradey young adult novels with these kinds of characters but there's definitely uh kind of a a hole in the uh picture book you know category for these right characters and like I was saying right if we have them it's like I have the wiggle fidgets it's like not you have ADHD (laughs) you know yeah, um, yeah there were other there was another book oh gosh I can't remember the name of it that I was considering talking about and it was a it was similar to like a silly name like the wiggle fidgets and like we talk about on the podcast a lot like whether it's you know ADHD or whether it's using the word vulva and not like pp or whatever like using the correct word is so important um you know and like also talking to kids about what that means right right not talking around them about them just like sitting a kid down and being like hey your brain is wired differently like that's why this is going on it's not because you're a bad kid exactly yeah there was another one something about like my mind my mind is a zoom my whirling twirling motor maybe Uh, i don't think that was it there's another um, one that was like written by the same author it might have been the same thing yeah, I'm looking at my history. I don't think I'm going to be able to find it. 
Um, yeah, but I wasn't ultimately, I didn't find that it was, that it seemed like a great representation or one that would, would be very valuable to have on the shelf, unfortunately. Um, no, there was my, so. no, it's not, I was thinking of my whirling, twirling motor and my wandering, dreaming mind, but, mm-hmm. which I did not care for. Right. Right. So yeah, the couple, there's representation in some middle grade novels and we have some very clunky informative texts. We have some co-opting of characters and kind of a new appreciation of them, looking at them through an ADHD lens. Um, but I do want to talk about two that I do recommend today. Um, (laughs) yes, it was a, I, I should shout out the lists that I found them on. One of them is very, um, is a really kind of bestseller but the other one was kind of hidden. And so I, I do want to shout out, um, where did I find these? I found, I found a list on imagination soup about learning differences um, in, ch- in ch- children's books that feature learning differences that I really thought was a, was a list worth exploring. And also at Julie, um, Julie Safransky.com seven books for kids with ADHD was another list um, mm. that I, that I ended up really diving into and found some that I, like I said, was not super impressed with, but um, did ultimately find these two books that I do want to shout out today. Awesome. Um, yeah. So the first one is called Just Ask, Be Different, Be Brave, Be You. And it was published. I love, love, love this book. Me too. It was published by Philomel Books in 2019. And it was written by um, Sonia Sotomayor. One of who sits on our Supreme Court, um, and who was the or is the first Hispanic and Latina member of our Supreme Court. Um, she is she was born in the Bronx to Puerto Rican born parents. Um, and there's some great kind of biographies about her out there. Um, but she is absolutely amazing, and she's written a couple of books, and this is one of them. Um, and this was illustrated by Rafael Lopez. Illustrations um, are beautiful. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So you also, so Rafael Lopez, so you'll know his work from um, uh, the, what was it? The day on the day you were born, that, the, not on the day you were born, the first day of school book um, that came out recently. And then oh, also, the first day of school. That's called um, On the First Day, perhaps. Oh, I'm not familiar with that. Rafael Lopez. Not on the first day of Christmas. <laughs> um, Google, 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 Google. Not finding it. Oh, come on. Oh, the day, the day you begin. Oh, it was. You were right the first time. Yeah. So the day you begin, which was a Jacqueline Woodson title, also illustrated by Rafael Lopez. Um, then there's the art. Oh, uh, I love that one. Yeah, the I one about I, the art walk, which is a bi- autobiographical. Oh no, one. I was gonna say the day you begin. I love um, oh. that one. I actually have tagged for a future topic. <laughs> ah. But yeah, I like that one. I didn't uh, realize it was the same. I'm so bad with Illustrator. Like, oh my god, 
I'm getting better with authors because like we talk about the same authors a lot. I'll be like, okay, I remember that person wrote this, but um, I'm, I'm bad with illustrator. I'm just bad with names in general. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I'm always, always that person who like never, like people will be talking. I just, okay, this is a tangent again. I don't care about celebrities. I don't follow celebrities. Like I, I just like, to me, they're just people like they're just living their lives. I don't care. Um, and I was always the person that people will be talking about like f- super famous people. And I'd be like, who is that? I don't know who that is. <laughs> Like, I just don't, I don't know. I have such a bad mind for that kind of stuff. Because my, you know, my my wiggle fidgets are just um, Hmm. thinking about other stuff. Exactly. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, so Rafael Lopez, maybe he also illustrated maybe something beautiful. He's illustrated some of uh, Margarita Engel's books. So fantastic illustrations. Um, So this was a beautiful pairing. And so Just Ask, it begins um, with... I have a character um, saying, hi, I'm Sonia. My friends and I are planting a garden. And so it begins kind of this extended metaphor about plants um, and how each plant has unique needs and each plant is different. And of course, that's what makes everything so beautiful. Um, And then it speaks about children's differences being like plants' differences. Um, And it says, each of us grows in our own way. So if you are curious about other kids, just ask. Um, and then it begins, then on the next page, what I like about that is that it, it prompts a child to just ask. And then there are questions throughout the text that kind of flow and link the different characters that are featured to each other, right? The one character asks a question and the next kind of answers it and mm-hmm. speaks to it from their own perspective, which I really like. Um, but it also does give a caveat. Not everyone is comfortable answering questions about themselves, which yes. I think is a really important I point. I love that because out. that's the only sort of criticism that I've seen about this book from folks in the disability community. And I'm like, okay, but they talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah. Right, right. And I, right, and I think that, and so I, I, I definitely honor that criticism. Um, and everything that I've read kind of says that we want children to feel comfortable asking questions, but right, like no kind of, um, respect when folks don't want to talk. Yeah, I always say respect the no, right? Like mm, if, well you said. know, like, like people, when I did, when we did our episode about visible disabilities, um, you know, I, everybody who I, and not to say that, right, it was three people. It wasn't every disabled person ever. <laughs> Um, but everybody was like, I would much rather you, you know, as a kid, right? Like, I would much rather a kid ask me a question than like be staring at me and like asking their parents, right? Like, I would much rather them just come up and be like, hey, like, you know, is it okay if I ask you this question, right? Or like, and have, and the adult can be like, hey, my, you know, my kid has a question. Is it okay if we ask you? And it's okay if not, right? Like, just frame it like that. And also like my, my friend um, who has cerebral palsy was like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally happy to ask questions, but it's also context, right? Like if I'm running to catch the train, don't like stop me and ask me like, why are you walking funny, right? Like, you know, it, it's also just like common sense context um, right, for right. what's happening. But like, right. He's like, but if I'm just sitting on the train and you're like wondering why I'm like walking a little bit, like, that's fine. You can ask. It's okay. And I, so I think that a lot of people, and I think it's very similar with um, people in other marginalized communities. Like I think about it as a trans person, like if people come to me and especially if we're talking about kids, right? Like if a kid comes to me with a genuine question, like I, I think I, like I'm the kind of person who's just usually okay to answer those kinds of questions but if I don't have the emotional energy or something I think it's so important to just tell kids that just be like you know what like I don't really want to answer that question 
Um, right. Like I said, like I'm glad that you added. It's really awesome that you wanted to that you want to learn about that. Um, but like I, I don't really want. I don't really feel like answering that question right now. I'm like, mm, that's it. And yeah. So like that's okay, and that doesn't mean to shut down their their questioning. You know. Right. Right. And in our excuse me, I have to it's clear my throat clearly. <coughs> in our um, in our shift book box materials on the gender spectrum, and um, we talk about like like folks might not feel like they're in a safe, like that, that it's safe yeah. to have this discussion right now. So mm-hmm. honor those boundaries. Totally. Um, right. I think so, but I, having the questions and kind of um, opening up dialogue or not, not even opening up dialogue, but doing um, feeling comfortable asking a question either of your own caregiver with whom you're standing or the person that you're kind of querying about is mm-hmm. so much. It seems like such a better alternative to, othering staring um feeling like it's a taboo thing to talk about because right a lot of times and we talked about this in the episode is like one of the that episode about visible disabilities is one of the worst things you could do is like shush your child right be like like why is that person in a wheelchair and you're like you know we don't talk about that right like then it's like oh we don't talk about that there's something wrong with that Mm-hmm. it's the same again I don't know why this episode I keep bringing it back to sex things but it's the same idea of around like shaming around body parts or like oh we don't talk about that right or like certain things that we're just like if we say like we don't talk about it then there becomes this shame and like wrongness about whatever the thing is right and it's different than saying oh that's a conversation maybe we could have at home or like that's a conversation maybe we could have another time right like and actually following up on that not just using that as a way to get out of it um but exactly. I, you know I, I think that's different just shutting it down right we we talk about it could be the tagline for this podcast <laughs> um red child podcast we it, talk about it exactly <laughs> there you go bada bing bada boom put it on a t-shirt let's do this <laughs> um so uh and so the the character the first character that we meet sonia speaks about um the fact that she needs to prick her finger several times a day to test her blood sugar because she has diabetes um, and so she gives a very like succinct but in clear explainer about um, what makes her different and but in kind of the, the language of this book. And then there's a kind of a global question in a different font that says, do you ever need to take medicine to be healthy? Um, and then you turn the page and there is another ch- character who answers that question or kind of like takes up that question. And that character is Raphael, who I'm assuming is the author, although it's a little less clear, um, who speaks about um, taking medicine because he has asthma. Um, And then he likens his inhaler to a tool that he uses and then asks a global question about, um, do you ever need a tool? Um, And then the the next child on the page turn is a child that uses a wheelchair Mm -hmm. um, and then speaks about the tool that they use. So... um, uh, it's really, I love that the flow and the way mm-hmm. that these these concepts flow together um, and the use of the question and answer, kind of that call and response is really um, done well in this book. And so it goes through. Um, I think it tr- makes it interactive, right? Like there are the questions where you could be like, do you use a tool or do you use something? Do you right. And you're empathizing. The child is kind of getting in the mind, the, 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 not the mindset, but like, like 
seeing their parallel to the person who's posing the question. Mm -hmm. And then there's a page turn and you see how this next child has kind of interpreted that question. Yeah. And so it's, it can be a little bit um, like, uh, I'm not going to say disorienting, but right. You see like, Oh wow. That's how they like, Oh yeah, that's another tool. Like I hadn't, hadn't thought about that as a tool or um, so there's kind of that dual you, the child reader is answering the question perhaps. And the adult reader might be answering the question as well. And then you see how this other character has interpreted the question. Um, and it's really neat. And so it goes through kind of the, the children who are featured. Um, there are children who are, who are blind, there are children who are deaf, a child who is dyslexic, a child who's autistic, a child who has a stutter, a child who has Tourette's, um, a child who has a nut allergy, a child who has Down syndrome. My wife who has a peanut allergy, I was like so excited that a nut allergy was mentioned. Yeah, and it's done really well, that page. Um, actually, I love that page because the child is holding their hand up to say no to a squirrel who is trying to hand an acorn. so good. And uh, yes, and it says, um, uh, so I always tell people about my allergy and ask if any food has nut ingredients. Speaking up keeps me healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, yeah, so thinking of allergies on this kind of spectrum, I think it's so cool that they included that. Um, I agree. And so the, now I've, I've scrolled away from my page I want to feature, which is um, a child who has ADHD. Um, and so the question they're answering is, um, do you ever feel frustrated? Because a child is um, speaking about how, how, she has, um, how she has Tourette's syndrome. And it's really sweet that page two, she is winking at an owl who is winking back at her. This, this book is just delightful, <laughs> folks. Like, get your hands on this book. It's so um, good. And so she says, I, and it actually goes along well with what we were just speaking about. Um, this child with Tourette's syndrome says, um, people may look at me funny because they think I'm not paying attention or just acting out, but it's not true. I am listening. I don't always like having to explain. It frustrates me but it helps when I tell people that's just what my body does. Right. So she's speaking about that, like, uh, like having to use, let's say having to use spoons to like get this explanation to someone like, no, wait, here's the situation. So I like that. She also is someone who's not like super keen on talking about it all the time. So there is that representation, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And so then um, she poses the question or Julia poses the question, do you ever feel frustrated? And then we meet Manuel. And he says, and he is leaping through the air. He's like mm-hmm. mid-flight. There are seeds falling out of his pockets. Remember, because we're in a garden, there's seeds flying from his hands. A hummingbird is racing away from him. And then you see all of these children kind of stop pausing in what they're doing to watch his like dynamic <laughs> energy as he flies through the air. And it's really kind of lovely. Um, and they're like holding up their arms. Like there's a lot of positive energy in this page, which is great. Yeah, right. Like that. as opposed to they're this. They're not like, oh my God, what are you doing? Like, like oh, not again, Manuel. Like no, there's like <laughs> a lot of like, go like, woo, energy. Um, and it says, my name is Manuel and I have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. It is also called ADHD. I can get frustrated because remember he's answering that question. I can get frustrated when I really feel the need to move around, even though I'm supposed to sit still. 
when my teachers and friends are patient with me, if I forget something or get distracted, I can get myself back on track. Um, and then he, because he's kind of brought up um, patience as a good tool for fo folks who are um, interacting with him, what's helpful to you? And that's mm. when we meet um, Nolan, the child with the nut allergy. Um, and then the Nolan's question is, how do you use your voice? Um, and then a child um, with Down syndrome talks about um, her love of singing and talking. Um, and also um, uh, then her question is, what helps you learn? Um, and then we get back, we circle back to Sonia on the final page. And the, there's, you see all of the children kind of like on a hillside and around a hillside and the owl is reappearing and there's flowers growing everywhere. Um, and she says, I ask questions too. Um, because one thing that um, the child with Down syndrome mentioned as a tool that she uses is asking questions. Mm -hmm. When something seems different or new, I just ask my parents or my teachers and they help me to understand, especially if my friends don't feel ready to explain. Um, so again, you have that, that note. This is what I've learned. Imagine if all the plants in this garden were exactly the same. Like what if we could only grow peas? That would mean no strawberries or cucumbers or carrots. It might also mean no trees or roses or sunflowers. Just like in our garden, all the ways we are different make our neighborhood, our whole world really, more interesting and fun. And just like all of these plants, each of us has unique powers to share with the world and make it more interesting and richer. What will you do with your powers? Yeah, I love this book. It's like so uplifting and positive. Yeah, um, I think this is uh, a, just a really wonderful way to do an, an informational book, right? Like you get a snapshot that really gives some, it feels like a child-oriented perspective on what it's, what it's like to live um, with each of these like disabilities or differences. Mm -hmm. um, and I just love the relatability and the way that they flow into each flow you know flow yeah. from one to the other I think yeah, because I think it could easily have just been like I have this I have that I have that but like they connect them yes really lovely yeah so it's just such a nice way to do this informative text and it's not problem oriented in any way mm -hmm. right the, the oh, children express superpowers yeah and but they and, and they express frustration that they have right they're not shying away yep. from the the things that are challenging like I don't want to tell people all the time xyz or but the, it's, it's not a problem story. It's a, it's a celebration and it's really, really lovely. Yeah. I really, I really like that one. I have it, I have it right in front of me. I have it myself. Um, mm. And uh, I really, I, I think this is a, I mean, you could use this book for a lot of different things, but like this jumped out to me as a book that would be great in a classroom um, just because it covers so many different things that might be going on in your, right. That kids might have in your classroom just to like normalize, right. Like, oh, why does such and such have to, you know, leave to go get their insulin in the middle of the day? Or like, why, you know what I mean? Like it could just normalize totally. so much stuff that's going on in the classroom, especially because yeah. it covers so many different things as opposed to just reading a book. And also it doesn't other that kid because it's about all these different kinds of things, right? So it's not like, oh, I have a kid with ADHD in my classroom. I have to read a book right. about ADHD. I better pull out the wiggle fidgets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's a bad example. <laughs> no books to read. Uh, 
but um, you know, yeah, I, mean. I like using this as a first day of school book, and then mm-hmm. using the framing of like growing our classroom garden, like kind of any community mm-hmm. building. Um, it's just a great, uh, a great opening for thinking about differences and thinking about strengths and thinking about what what connects us. Like the flow of those questions is that that thread of how we are similar. Um, yeah, yeah in our differences. That. Yeah, so the the art, the flow, the representation, the biographical component, I think is really nicely done. Um, I don't have I don't have a criticism of this book. I really don't. <laughs> so I was I was happy to stumble upon that after the uh, the books that I just could not stomach uh, yeah. talking about today. It's hard. It's so it's hard. It's hard out there. <laughs> Right. So, so you have one other book too, right? I do. I do. Um, so that I would say is my, as we always talk about, like the informational end of the spectrum versus like the representational end of the spectrum. And so the next book is on that other end of the spectrum. And it's a book that just features a child who is not named with having ADHD. However, I did some digging. Well, let me, I'm getting ahead well, of myself. This one was on some lists that I saw too for ADHD. Really? Oh, good. Okay. Well, I must, we must have been maybe looking at some of the same lists. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, so this, the book that I'm talking about is, uh, the book that I want to introduce is Sarah Bella's Thinking Cap. And it was published by Dial Books in 2017. And it's written and illustrated by Judy Shacker. Um, and Judy Shacker is the author and illustrator of a number of different books but one series that she's kind of well known for is the Skippy John Jones stories about the Siamese cat who really wants to be a chihuahua Um, oh yes yes um and I really do not care for those books me neither (laughs) (laughs) I should probably revisit them but I know that as as an educator reading them I just felt really uncomfortable with the premise I felt really uncomfortable with the language like it's like a weird it's like a weird trans story right like read that way it's like very yes I so I we we should we should do a special a special issue where we uh we revisit books that we thought we hated and see if we still hate them and hate (laughs) is a strong word don't quote me on that but um I'm quoting you I'm I'm gonna make that the quote for this episode Rebecca hates Skippy John Jones. Right. And that's, I oh kind of stand gosh. by that. Like others are um, Junie B. Jones, speaking of mm-hmm. Joneses. It's like, just the Jones. You just Junie don't like Jones. Jones. Um, so uh, at first I, I didn't, I was not kind of predisposed to like this book because mm-hmm. I have this history of not really caring for what this author is kind of yeah. most well known for. Um, but I read it and I was floored. Because what I didn't really appreciate about Judy Shacker, based upon other work, is like she is an incredible artist. Um, and so I did, and so she is the author and illustrator of this book. And I did some reading on her. Um, and she um, grew up in New England. She's mm. Irish Catholic. Um, and I did a little bit of. I found um, kind of an some author interviews or some illustrator interviews about her work as an artist. And she, I mean, she's someone who her home is full of like found objects and like junk, right? Like it says something about like, um, you know, the, the, they've opened up the second now her living room is like, um, 
two stories high, like this old Whoa. farmhouse and, a, and oh, up on a wall are all of these old found mirrors. So like there's just this wall of like old mirrors and I'm imagining those mirrors that are like, you can't even see reflection anymore because they're so warped, but you just get this light. And so I was like, oh, she seems so cool. And her, her artist studio is gorgeous. Um, and she talks about um, one of my favorite illustrators who we've talked about in a recent episode, um, Trini Shart Hyman, the Ooh. illustrator of, um, of um, Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so she references Trini Shart Hyman as an influence, like one of those artists where she just kind of has her work around her all the time. And as I read through this book, I really saw that influence. Like I saw um there's something about um Sarabella and her family, um, their the way that their faces are done and kind of the way that um it shows each of them kind of at their vocation and it just really read as like Trini Shart Hyman to me, which I, I mm. just, I was like, Oh, oh. so <laughs> anyway, my, my, my feelings about this, this author have changed dramatically over the course of the last week. Um, and I also read that this is an own voices book oh. because um, Judy Shacker speaks. She's, she opens up, several different um I read synopses of several different kind of keynote speeches that she's given or events at which she's presented and a lot of them mention this anecdote that she opens up um kind of when she's visiting classrooms okay um she says that um she has been correctly diagnosed with ADHD and she was correctly diagnosed by a third grade boy who says who said I think you might have ADHD because your brain seems to work like mine. I love that. <laughs> and so um, the way that it's presented, I have, um, there's nothing kind of about a formal diagnosis, but mm-hmm. I think that she has kind of taken on this understanding that like, yeah, that explains a lot. Like maybe an adult diagnosis. She says she was diagnosed in her fifties at eight, as a, um, having ADHD by a third grader and she, she owns it. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to call that own voices. Uh, I adore that. yeah, yeah. So now to the book. Um, it begins, Sarah Bella had no time for small talk. In fact, she never talked much at all because she was too busy thinking. Um, and these books just have this incredibly rich, these incredibly rich illustrations. There's so much kind of pattern and texture in them. Um, and so Sarah Bella is a thinker. She is, she is, um, but also I love in that first page, it is less patterned and textured. It's Sarah Bella sitting on a rock on kind of a grassy hill with just a white background, but then you turn the page and there's this huge double page spread of an elephant, um, Mm. that is like, has galaxies within it. Um, and it says she thought about big things and small things. And so at the kind of beneath the elephant's trunk, there is a tiny little snail and she's on top of this elephant kind of embracing it. And it's just gorgeous. Um, kind of like new agey, like if you were to put the print in your house, which would not be my style, but it's absolutely beautiful. (laughs) Um, some of the other illustrations I would put on my wall in a heartbeat, not this one, but I recognize how, how beautiful it is. Um, 
like the next one um and oodles of in between things like aunts and uncles and doodles of poodles and there's kind of this thought bubble that has like a sea turtle and an owl and a lighthouse and just i mean a, a bazillion little things um kind of all like like uh intricately woven together um and then she's asking her her cat what are you thinking picky and um picky is thinking about fish of course that's fair yeah yeah um and so it talked the story i'm not gonna i promise i'm not gonna do a full read lot of the book i'll just give you a (laughs) recap um so essentially she's thinking of and we meet her family and each of them, like one of them is an artist and one of them is um, a musician and she has a big sister. And it says, most of all, they love their cerebella just the way she was with her feet on the ground and her head in the clouds. Um, and then uh, it speaks about, I love this. There's a turn of phrase. It says she some about talks about how some thoughts are like big and easy to grasp and others take like this careful tending. Like, so there's this garden metaphor there. And it says um, that she has a green thumb for thinking, Mm. um, which I loved. I thought that was a really neat turn of phrase. Um, The problem was no one ever knew what she was thinking about. Um, And so then we go into the classroom and the teacher is very, um, very, very empathetic, very sympathetic um, but does send right. <laughs> but, but does send home notes. You see, kind of these handwritten notes that just are reminders that um, that she needs to focus. Um, and we want to know what 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 Sarah Bell is thinking about. So she's someone who's not participating in class. Um, she's struggling to focus on things like math facts and memorizing math facts, but she's also just not participating. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something that aligns with what is known about the way that ADHD presents, um, like kind of the second type of presentation of ADHD. Yeah, this is which how my is, best friend was. Right. So not at all. Um, so I found an article from childmind.org by Ray, ja- by Ray Jacobson. Um who did a neat kind of breakdown of the different types of diagnoses. And granted, um, I don't love the idea that they have to, those types have to be paired with boy versus girl. So I prefer to just talk to them about kind of the two types. Um, But um, there's one type that is more hyperactive and one type that is less hyperactive. And um, something that the author Ray Jacobson, who was speaking from the perspective of having ADHD herself, it says, um, politely daydreaming underachievers just don't attract attention the way hyperactive and impulsive boys do so let's take the boys out and just say the way that hyperactive and impulsive children do so i guess that's why i had to transition because i had the boy kind (laughs) that's exactly right (laughs) it's funny though because my one of my best friends um you know was actually diagnosed with adhd when she was younger and her mom was just like no um and so but she had like that opposite so and even me as someone with ADHD when she first came to me and told me she had ADHD as an adult I was like no because she is the opposite where she hyper focuses on things in order to compensate 
yes. yes. And, but like, like to the point where, and she was that very like Sarah Bella, that very like daydreamy, but then meanwhile, like scored so high on her SATs, but there's a picture of her in our freaking like school, you know, <laughs> but like, she was just like, so daydreamy and would never do homework and would like, you know, it was very spacey. And like one time, my favorite anecdote that I tease her with all the time was we were waiting to be picked up after play practice. She was doing like set crew and I was acting in the play. I don't know why that was an important detail for me to ask. Tell us more. Um, Who, what character were you? Tell us more about I your story. I don't remember what play it was. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we were both waiting and I was, she was reading a manga and like comic, Japanese comic book. And we were, um, I was just like complaining about something that was going on, probably with my boyfriend or whatever, who cares. And, uh, and all, and after like, 15 minutes of me like talking about whatever this thing was she looked up and said did you say something <laughs> and like that's the best way I could describe her <laughs> like, it is the like best way to version, describe her and like the her best way to describe you Seth. <laughs> yeah. but like that was her version as opposed to like my experience with ADHD was oh there's my jazzy doorbell um her uh experience of ADHD was so different than uh than mine that I literally was like you don't have ADHD when she told me that she got diagnosed because I didn't realize that there were different you know there were sort of these different kinds different presentations so I, so I yeah. like that it's it is showing this different presentation yeah and the traditional wiggle pigeons <laughs> and uh the one that and what Frank Jacobson said which I think really resonates with a lot of what we're talking about right now but also just kind of what we're talking about when we think of educators and how um, and classroom management is um she follows up and says staring out a window is nothing when the kid next to you is dancing on the sill yep right Yep. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Sarah Bella's teacher is um, sends home notes. So you ha- see kind of like the, uh, you see these notes on the page, like kind of collaged onto the page, and uh, it says Sarah Bella needs to find a way to focus and finish her work on time. Um, you know, we want to know what Sarah Bella's thinking, and um, it does. It says that it, the the notes make Sarah Bella feel terrible. Um, which yeah. you don't get the impression like the teacher has a very like kind look on his face and he does say it says that um, um, the teacher has a knack for knowing when Sarah Bella wasn't um, hasn't sorry let me start that again um, her teacher had a knack for knowing just what Sarah Bella wasn't thinking about and that was schoolwork. <laughs> Sometimes all it took was a word, a sound, or the scent of Samantha's magic markers to carry her thoughts away. And that's when Mr. F, who was really very nice, had to send her home with another note. And this made Sarah Bella feel terrible. Um, And something else that I read about um, this presentation is that there's a lot of internalizing. And there there are correlations between this um, presentation of ADHD and um, disordered eating and depression. so it's very important that we begin to identify it for what it is and make sure that um, this presentation of ADHD is not getting kind of looked over. Um, but um, it does say the notes never upset her parents because once upon a time they got sent home with notes too. Mm. Um, and so she, and it doesn't say, I like it that it doesn't kind of say like, and they grew out of it. Um, and yeah. you do know that they are kind of like one of them is an artist and the other is a musician. Like they still mm. kind of have these more like artistic, um, daydreamy type, um, or at least the way that they're presented, they seem like that type of artist and that type of musician. I know there's many different ways to be an artist and a musician, but they seem like more of the daydreamy types themselves. And it says, um, um, 
Really, said Sarabella. Really, said her mom. You have daydreaming in your DNA. So there's support coming from all sides for her, like that this is kind of um, who she is. Um, And she talks to her sister and her sister kind of just suggests like, well, here's what you do. Like you just focus, you just squint your eyes and you focus. And, and, you know, so then Sarabella tries that the next day and gets sent to have an eye exam because she's sitting there squinting at the board. So there's, but, but I love the way, like you see the sisters, um, Sarabella's like in her lap and the cat is in Sarabella's lap and it's just this really neat moment. But you also, it's clear that her sister does not have this same um, difference, right? Not having the same challenge. Um, And so, but, but I love, so she's continuing to, to kind of um, struggle with focusing and, um, one of her student, one of the students in class kind of mentions like, she's not thinking she's daydreaming. And her teacher says, let me get back up to where this is. Um, daydreaming is an awesome kind of thinking, but not during class. Um, so I love that validation mm-hmm. of the way that her mind works. Um, and so uh he t- mentions she's she's in a recess kind of trying to catch up on the work and she mentioned he he suggests that she puts on her thinking cap and focus and that thinking cap really captures her attention um and then the for the homework the weekend homework assignment he has her help pass it out and it is like a penny for your thoughts like tell us about your best date or like your, your favorite daydreams hmm. and so he's giving her an outlet to kind of I love um, that. Yeah. So a child has kind of made a joke about it in front of the class and he's turned it, like flipped it into this moment for learning and celebrating, Aww. which I love. Um, Cause now every child is going to be thinking about daydreams. And so she has so many thoughts and so many ideas and she goes home and you just see her in her room just with, with art and scribbles and doodles um, everywhere. And she kind of calls it like a big mess. Um, and then she gets visited in her daydream by this whale, this amazing whale. Oh, yes. I rem- I, used to, I did actually look at this book. Yeah. Very, very vividly. And I don't know so, why I didn't go with it, but. Hmm. Because he wanted to let me have it. And I think. Yeah, maybe it was because it wasn't explicitly about it. I don't know. I don't know what turned me off, but clearly right. there weren't that many better options. So I don't know why. <laughs> But anyway, I remember this whale is, is what the point is. <laughs> yeah. And so this enormous whale gives her an idea, um, which I, like, I love that it's kind of like, it's a little bit like a do ex machina where you're like, a whale gives her an idea. But then you're like, no, no, that's just how her brain works. Like, like she, this, this, she had an idea and it came to her in the form of this amazing whale. Right. So I, I I'm on board. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Um, and so the whale says to share it because remember, she's supposed to share her daydream with the class. You've just got to wear it. And so she takes all of these things that she's been thinking about, and she takes this idea of a thinking cap, and she comes to school on Monday, and she has created this enormous, like, physical art, this work of art, this, like, sculptural cap that it's like you can just imagine kind of the paper bag at the base of it and then it just becomes this amazing thing with all of her doodles and um collagey stuff um and that it's her thinking cap 
Mm. And the, a, a child says, that's, so that's what you've been thinking. And like, they're all looking at the things. And then she asks her teacher, like a penny for your thoughts. Um, and he says, I think your thoughts are worth more than all the pennies in the world. Because she's created this beautiful thing. And then um, the next day, uh, she comes to school and another child has made a thinking cap. Um, and it says on Tuesday, Bob came to school wearing a thinking cap of his Bob. own. <laughs> Bob. And I believe he, he presents as like, um, he's, there's, there's some, there is some diverse, there's, there's great diversity representation in her class. There's a child who uses a wheelchair. Um, Bob presents as a child of color. I would say he's, I think oh, nice. he, I believe he's the black child that I see in this other scene. Um, and then he says, um, and he also is one who's kind of, I love it when she's sharing her daydreams in an earlier, in an earlier spread, um, there's a bird like from her daydreams perched on his head. So there's Aww. this little, tiny little bit of foreshadowing that maybe oh, these two come in. Um, and so he has a thinking cap. Um, Sarah Bella really liked it. We have a lot in common, said Bob. My thoughts exactly, agreed Sarah Bella. So she's made a friend. I love that. Um, yeah. And so, and that is the end of this wonderful story. I love that. And I, I love, I think one of the things I love most about it, and maybe I didn't pick up on this and that's why I, you know, I think, I think to, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase the sentence. I think that part of the reason that I didn't pick this book was because it didn't resonate with my experience of ADHD. And I think that that's something that I love about it. Now that you've brought that up, that like <laughs> it's, a, it's another experience, right? I was looking at it like, this isn't what ADHD is like because I've had ADHD and I know what it's like, right? My experience is the only experience. You, um, your ADHD is Manuel leaping through the air with seeds exactly. flying everywhere well, featured well, in the I'm, other book. Yeah. Exactly. And so I actually, now that I've thought about that perspective, I, I love that idea. Um, and I, I love that, that, that this book has brought that, um, brought that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess because I was so like, like perplexed at the fact that there wasn't a book about sort of the traditional idea of what it's like. Mm-hmm. Like I was looking, I was so, I was so focused on looking for that and being perplexed as to why that book didn't exist. You know? Right. In a good book, uh, or one that I, you know, found good, I guess. Um, that I, I was so focused on finding that that I was like, I had my blinders on. Um, so right. thank you for sort of bringing my attention or our attention to this book. Yay! Yeah, and right, this is not. Um, I I love that this book is is again like a, a representation book, right? Like it, this is not solve. It's it's not necessarily solving quote unquote the problem of her inability to memorize math facts. But yeah. it's celebrating, it's, it's, it's recognizing this, this presentation and it's celebrating the, the gifts that come with this diagnosis or this potential diagnosis, right? Like, yeah. and, um, and I love the way that the teachers, the teacher responds. I love the way that her family responds. Um, and right, maybe you want a follow-up book where we figure out how to get um, her the scaffolds that she needs right in, yeah. in the classroom so that she doesn't have to invent them on her own well, what we need to do is we need to combine this with the wiggle fidgets in the sense that like there are some practical solutions in that book 
right right of like okay what are we regardless of the fact that the kid is the one that has to come up with them like they are there's some kind of like okay what are we gonna do to help you right but Um, if a child is experiencing this right like this representation of this this form of daydreaming and inability to focus and having the teachers and the students and the family be all very supportive of that I think is very very valuable yeah I I love that I love the supportive nature of the books and I also it actually reminds me a little bit of part of what I liked about the wiggle fidgets was that um the idea that this sort of at least at the end of the wiggle fidgets is that this idea that this sort of thing that um you know is maybe getting you into a little bit of trouble or maybe seen as a bad thing ends up helping right and ends up being kind of celebrated um in a way I like that idea and I think that that's what I like about just ask to is that again it's very celebratory and like positive right um, unless it's like a, it's a problem right right exactly and yeah. I just again like I know I've spoke earlier about how I really was not a fan of Judy Sacker based on the the Skippy John Jones but mm-hmm. I I the art in this book is exquisite maybe because it does remind me of Trini Shart Hyman but it does have her own flavor to it and I can see how she's someone who has these junk collections and these interesting <laughs> you know like like the just the, the, yeah, I, the items that. that come up in the background and get incorporated into these creatures are so like just totally meet all of like check all my boxes like ooh old timey clock like ooh owl <laughs> like yes sign me up and she has a beautiful turn of phrase. She is an excellent writer. Like this is just a very well told story. Um, so I, and of course, then I tried to find it on Ingram, and it looks like it might be out of print. Um, but our our listeners can certainly find copies of it. But I, I I'm I'm trying to find. I'm, I frankly I want to include it in a ship book box. I want to build a box around this and and include yeah. these two books as a theme. Um, so I'm that. hoping to be able to get my hands on it. Um, but if not, I will at least buy one from my own collection. <laughs> yep. So those are the two, those are the titles I wanted to talk about today. And that's all I have. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing those on changing. You changed your own mind and my mind about two different things. So look at that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, and I love, honestly, I love when that happens. I love when you bring up a book that I've looked at and kind of passed over and you sort of bring a different perspective to it. And I think, I know I say this a lot, but I think that's what's great about sort of our dynamic duo if you will is that we mm-hmm. sort of have different perspectives and it's like we're different people wild um but you know that we bring those kinds of different kinds of perspectives it's really yeah. awesome likewise yeah. um all right well i guess that's it for today and uh i'll see you next time sounds good nice chatting as always mm-hmm. all right And remember, stay rad.